0: good evening everyone um, it 's good to be here it 's a blessing. I appreciate you guys allowing me to come up here and uh, preach to you it 's always a blessing when you get a chance to do something for the lord i 'm um, always thankful for it you know yeah i 'm a little nervous but that 's a good thing you know if a man 's not nervous when he gets up to preach and he 's not taking the word of God seriously in my opinion and uh, I think it 's something to take real seriously and <clears throat> It's just a blessing, you know, it's a blessing to be saved. It's a blessing to uh see people in other places gathering together, you know, just like we do on every Sunday down in Hillsboro and people just praising the Lord and wanting to do something for him. You know, it's a blessing to see that. And I'm sorry to hear about your pastor being sick. I'll continue to pray for him that he will get better. Um, my name's Jesse Brody. So I'll tell you a little bit about myself, I guess, to start off with since some of y'all know me. Um, I got saved in 2016. I was 26 years old. Um, I grew up in a cult where we weren't allowed to associate with the outside world at all. We didn't, we weren't allowed to go to doctors. That wasn't a thing. Um, They were very strict about, you have to work your way to heaven, right? You got to keep the law and we had to be baptized, right? And all this different stuff. But the, the kicker was for us was, is the pastor, the apostles, what they called him died in 1969. And he was the only person that was, could baptize people until the Lord called another special man. That's how they believed. And so we literally just went to church every Thursday night and every Sunday and just would sing 10 hymns and go home. Nobody would get up and preach. Nobody would say anything. And uh, it was a very strange situation. Um, but um, they've been in the news several times. It was called the Followers Christ Church in Oregon City. Um, basically, they just refused to take their babies to the doctor, and they keep losing them. And so it's a sad situation. But I'm real thankful for the Lord, you know, getting me out of that situation. And saving me. And, uh, I met Pastor John Robinson in 2016, and he asked me a question that really shook me up. I didn't, he asked me, he said, well, how are you getting to heaven? And I told him, I said, well, I said, you know, if my good works outweigh my bad works, then I suppose I'll go to heaven. And if they don't, then I guess I'm going to go to hell. And he said, well, there's one thing you're missing there. And I said, what? He said, you were taught by the law, not by grace. And I said, what's grace? And then he started to tell me. And, uh, He ended up coming out to our house and he ended up not only leading me to the Lord, but my wife. Um, he led two of my sisters to the Lord and my mother all at the same time and my brother-in-law. So it was a huge blessing. Um, having him come out, having him do that. If you'd have told me 10 years ago that I'd be in a pulpit in Washington in front of y'all, I would have told you all it's crazy. Um, I'm not a real people person. Um, but I do love the Lord and I feel like that, you know, the Lord would have me to do is to preach. And so that's what I'm here to do tonight. That's a little bit about me. Um, I've got four kids. I've got three, three girls and a little boy. And uh, so that's been a blessing. Finally got a boy, the last one. So, you know, we didn't have to have 12 kids to get a boy. So I'm thankful for that. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm going to preach to you tonight is I want to preach to you about the power that the Lord's placed in us, right? What the Lord's given us. And it's something I think that we don't spend enough time thinking about, you know, Jesus has done a lot for us, Right. Um, the Lord, he loves us, right? John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves us. He wants to see us get saved, right? He's not willing that any should perish. And to me, that's a blessing. But often I think about Jesus Christ and I think about him being up in glory, right? You know, if John chapter one there talks about in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, right? And the word was God and the same as in the beginning with God. And all things were created by him, right? And without him, nothing was made that was made, right? Nothing was made without him. He made all things. Jesus Christ is God. And to me, that's an incredible thing to think about, that he's up in glory. He created us. He created everything. And then he comes down in the body of a man, willingly, right? God manifest in the flesh to live amongst us and go to a cross and die for us. I often think... Why does the Lord love me? Well, you know what I mean? I didn't do anything. I didn't. I don't deserve him to love me. I mean, if anything, my testimony in my whole life is the life of a debtor, right? I mean, it's a life of just the Lord blessing me and taking care of me. Honestly, it has nothing to do with me, right? And so I'm thankful for the Lord. I'm thankful for Christ for doing that. Um, You know, a lot of people forget that Jesus was a man as much as he was God, right? And Jesus Christ had the same temptations that we do. He had the same troubles that we do. He had the same trials that we do, right? And he prevailed yet without sin. And that's incredible. And I'm thankful that he did it. But people think like, well, he didn't have a choice. He was God. That's not true. In the garden of Gethsemane, it said that Jesus Christ sweat great drops of blood. He was wrestling with something. You know, I don't know about you, but you know, the Bible talks about resisting unto blood. I've never had to do that yet. Right. I've been nervous. I've been anxious. I've had to do some things I didn't want to do or I wasn't comfortable with. But I certainly have never gone to that point. But Jesus did. And he did it for us. And a lot of people don't think about the fact that Jesus Christ, not only was he mocked and slapped and beaten, was his beard pulled out? Did he have to drag a cross up to Gethsemane, but they don't think about how it happens. People, a lot of people, maybe they're too squeamish. Maybe they don't want to think about it, but they don't think about how, what is, how's a Roman crucifixion take place? What is that? Not only do they get there, but they lay him up on the cross like this on his back. And they nail his hands to the cross. And they nail his feet to the cross. And they dig a hole. And they take that cross, sometimes eight feet tall, and they slide him up like this, and they drop it into the hole. What people don't realize is when that hits the bottom, it dislocates their shoulders. So not only, I don't know if anybody here has ever had a dislocated shoulder. It's not comfortable. And he's sitting there in agony, and every time he has to take a breath, he has to pull himself up. And breathe, and it's horrible what he went through physically, but what about what he went through spiritually? And this is something that a lot of people don't think about either. What did he go through spiritually? You know, it talks about there in Psalms 22, how there was the great bowls of Bashan, right? It was surrounding him and stuff. There was a spiritual battle going on there. You don't think the devil wasn't present there in the spiritual battle? He absolutely was. So not only is he dealing with agony as a man, not only is he dealing with God happened to forsake him and put all of our sin upon him but he's taken on a spiritual battle. And you know what the Lord's asked of us? He's he's asked us to pick up that mantle and take on the same spiritual battle. And he's done it. He's proved that it's possible, right? We can't be sinless, of course, but he's our example. And we should try our best to be like him. Absolutely should. And, you know, the verse that, that led me to the Lord was Romans 10, 9. But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Pastor Robinson says, he said, Jesse, do you know, you know, you know where you're going to go when you die? And I said, no, you can't. know." I said, that's arrogant. Why would you even ask me that? And he said, well, the Bible says you can be saved. I said, where? He said, you ever read it? I said, yeah, I've read it. Where is it? And he started showing me and I couldn't believe it. It was like the light switch came on. We read the King James Bible where I was from. I had it since I was a little kid. And I had never noticed that ever in my entire life. It was like, you know how the Lord talks about, you know, they'd be blind. Israel's blind in part. That's how I felt. It was like, all of a sudden it was like, all of it was just laid out. And I was like, that's the answer. That's it. Jesus is the answer. He said, all you got to do is believe it. You don't got to work for it. And, uh, that lit a fire in me. It made me think, you know what? I got to get busy doing something. I can't just sit around and do nothing. The Lord, the Lord did so much for me. I got to do something. And, uh, it's a huge blessing if you like guys want to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter eight, verse four It's a pretty common uh verse here. I want to talk about some of the things that uh Jesus Christ has done for us, and Jesus Christ you know has given us some things, and they're wonderful things that he's given us so Ecclesiastes chapter eight verse four says uh 8 verse 4 says, where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, what doest thou? Let's pray real quick. Father, we just come before you today, Lord, thankful to be able to open your book, Lord, and be able to read it, to be able to get something out of it, Lord. And I just pray you'd be here tonight, Lord, and you'd guide my lips, Lord. I pray I wouldn't say anything that I shouldn't, Lord. And I pray your Holy Spirit would just work here tonight, Lord, and you'd use it. And Father, I pray for Pastor Stewart here, Lord, that you'd heal him. I pray you'd raise him up, Lord, get him back in his pulpit. I'm sure that's what his desire is, Lord. And so, Father, I pray you'd just be with him in that situation, Lord. I pray you'd use him where he is even now, Father. And I thank you for it, Lord. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So where the word of a king is, there is power. You see, the King James Bible has power to produce change, right? Anybody, everybody here agree with that? Um, the definition of power is the faculty of doing something or performing anything. The faculty of moving Or of producing a change in something, ability, or strength. I certainly know that the King James Bible had produced a change in my life. That's for sure. I mean, I was lost on my way to hell. And the words in this book made all the difference. The words in this book led me to the Lord. You see, there's so many testimonies of people all throughout time. You know, one of the ones that stands out to me is Martin Luther. To me, Martin Luther is an incredible man. You know, he's a Catholic monk. And he's smart. He was educated, right? He was, he got degrees at a young age. He was a very, very intelligent man. And he knew that there was a God, right? he knew he had to work his way to heaven somehow. That's, that's what he thought in his mind. And what did he do? He spent time, lots of time praying and beating himself with a whip, trying to pay for his own sins, trying to get that guilty conscience to be clear. That's what he was doing. And, you know, Martin Luther spent a lot of time in the Catholic Church and a lot of time struggling, and he taught in the Catholic Church, and he did all sorts of stuff throughout his life. But the thing that I like about Martin Luther is is that he comes across a verse in Romans there. Romans 1.17 says, The just shall live by faith. And he couldn't get out of his head. The Lord had just really made that stand out to him, and he couldn't get rid of it. And he was thinking, The just shall live by faith. And that's what he said. He said, You know what? I know that you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I can see that here. And... What happened? This book produced a change in him. What did he do? He went back and he started professing Jesus Christ to the Catholic Church. There was a time where he called the Catholic Pope, your hellishness. He was a bold man. And he went to him and said, you're wrong. You're saved by grace through faith. You're not saved by works. And people didn't like it. But what did that spark? That sparked the Reformation, right? It took Christianity out of the dark ages and brought it back onto the map. And the Lord used Martin Luther to do that. But what did he do it through? He did it through this book. That's what he did it through. You know, some people say, well, I think you lift the King James Bible up too much. I don't think you, I don't think so. The King James Bible is incredible. If you compare it to the other Bibles, um, NIV, any of them, the King James is just outstanding, right? There's no errors in it, right? Pick up the NIV, go to John chapter seven. What is, what do they say to Jesus there? Are you going to go up to the festival? And he says, nope, I'm not. And then where does he go? Four or five verses later to the festival, Well, if Jesus Christ is a liar, then he can't be our savior, right? Those Bibles, they strip the deity away from Jesus Christ. That's why I love the King James Bible. That's why I love the word of God, right? Um, The word of God's amazing. Turn to Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. This is a very common verse also. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. I'm not going to have a whole entire message on the Bible. It's going to be on the things that the Lord's given us and the things that the Lord's done for us here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Bible says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This book's alive. It's a living book, right? Have you ever heard this book be called a mirror? Right. It's exactly what it is. You start reading this book and you start realizing everything is wrong with you. It's the same way you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror and you realize what you have to deal with. Right. It's (laughs) not so great sometimes. Right. At least for me. So it's the same thing. Right. The Bible shows you what you really are. And that's a good thing if you're willing to change some things. But that's the thing is we got to be willing to make some changes. you got to be willing to submit yourself unto the Lord and submit yourself unto his words and do something about it. And a lot of times men aren't willing to do that. They're comfortable doing whatever they're doing. They're comfortable in their life. They're comfortable. Well, the Lord's proved time and time again in my life that it doesn't matter whether I'm comfortable or not. If I do what he wants me to do, he will take care of me. He's done it time and time again. Um, In 2019, I went down to Pensacola Bible Institute in Florida. Um, Pastor Brian Donovan was up here and he was preaching a message. And I got real convicted to go down there and go to his school. And I didn't want to at all. I had a good job. I had a wife. I had kids. I was—I'm I, not. I'm not doing that. Florida? Are you crazy? I've lived in Oregon my whole life. There's no way I'm doing that. And the Lord pressed upon me enough to do it. And a lot of things happened that I don't have time to explain. But I ended up going down there and going to school. And I was worried. How am I going to survive? How are we going to pay our bills? We have all kinds of stuff, and we have stuff that we got to—I don't know what I'm going to do. And what happened? The Lord took care of us. And what happened after school? And the Lord told us to come back up here and help with an addiction—sorry, min- <coughs> ministry. What happened then? The Lord took care of us, right? The Lord will supply. He'll take care of you. You don't got to worry about it. And so that's the one, one of the things that I want to talk about is the Bible. The next thing I want to talk about is the Holy spirit. The Holy spirit has power. When we get saved, you receive the Holy spirit and he indwells you. Right. And the Holy spirit stays with you throughout your whole entire life on this earth in the flesh here. The Holy spirit stays with you. And the Holy Spirit is an amazing thing. Second uh, Timothy chapter one, verse seven says, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Lord has given you the Holy Spirit, right? The Lord has given you power. He's given you the ability to have a sound mind. He's given you the ability to love one another. You know, he really has. And I don't think people think about that enough. People think they live, a lot of Christians live their lives defeated. They live their lives saying, oh, I can't do this. And I can't do that. And I can't. There was a time in my life where I was so anxious. I was standing in the shower getting ready to kill myself in my life. And I got out of the shower and I started bawling. And I asked the Lord, I said, will you just please deliver, deliver me from myself? I don't know what to do. I was lost at the time. I would have went straight to hell if I'd have done it. I was so anxious. I didn't know what to do. I, I couldn't control it. I didn't know how to handle it. My parents were talking about putting me in some kind of a home because my wife was like, I'm worried about him and all this different stuff. And what happened? I got saved and the Lord turned that stuff around. Yeah, and it does not just an instant thing. It takes work. But with the Lord, you can get through anything, right? I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. The Lord cares, right? He cares what you're going through and he can get you through it. Yeah. Praise the Lord for that. He really can. He can get you through it. Um, Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, verse 13 with me if you would. Give you an example here about the Holy Spirit having some power. And this is a very common example. Most kids get this example here all the time in Sunday school. My kids love talking about David and Goliath. 1 Samuel 16 verse 13 is where we'll start and we'll get to uh, Goliath here in a second. 1 Samuel 16. Verse thirteen. It says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David. From that day forward, so Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. You know, Samuel went to go anoint one of Jesse's sons there in the old testament. And so they get, you know, he get Jesse gets all of his sons lined up, and he's like, Oh, you know, he's thinking I can imagine he's thinking to himself, you know, he's probably gonna pick Eliab. Like, look at him, he's big, he's strong, you know, he's strapping, you know, he's you know, growing up and all this different stuff, and then he says no, you have one more son, don't you? Where is he? And so he tells the boys, uh, go get David, bring him up here. And he said, yeah, that's the one I want. Dad, the Lord tells Samuel, that's the one I want. Anoint him. And so he anoints him and David's going to be king. And David goes forward there. And uh, if you want to flip forward to First uh, Samuel 1 Samuel chapter 17 here, um, David goes up there and his dad tells him here, take some rations and stuff. Take him up to your brothers up there and everybody up there at the camp and give it to him. And so David comes up there and his brother alive says, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Are you so lifted up in pride. You just had to come up here and see the battle. And David looks around and David sees Goliath down there, cursing the God of Israel. And he says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause here? And he wants to know why nobody's doing anything about it. And David's just a boy. And, you know, David's sitting there and he's talking about it. And he says, you know, a lion came and he grabbed one of the sheep. I was looking over there and, he started packing that lamb off and the Lord delivered that lion into my hand. And he delivered a bear into my hand. Who's to say that he's not going to deliver Goliath into my hand? I'm not afraid of him. Who's more powerful than the Lord? Right? That's what David's thinking. That's his mindset. That should be our mindset. And what does David do? David goes to Saul and says, I'll go down there and t- I'll go down there. I'll fight him and Saul says, yeah, you're just a boy. David's not worried about it. I'll go down there and he says, alright, well here's some armor. I don't want to, I don't need all that. I'm just going to go down there. I'm going to get me some pebbles out of the stream here and, uh, get a sling, and I'll take care of it. And uh, look at verse 45, 1745. 1745, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield, but I come to thee with the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses... Of the host of the Philistines this day under the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. You know what gave David the power to do that? It wasn't because David was outstanding. It wasn't because David was special. It was because David had the spirit of the Lord. That's what it was. The Holy Spirit gave David power. It gives David power. It gives all of us power. And you see, we forget it. We forget this stuff time and time again. You know, you hear Christians all the time saying, oh, if I could have only seen Jesus, if I could have just seen him heal that leper, if I could have just seen Moses, you know, just part the Red Sea, you know, things would be different. No, it probably wouldn't be. Right? How many of them were doubting? Most of them. How many of them struggled with it? Most of them. Some of them didn't, but most of them did. Well, who's to say that you'd be the one that wouldn't? I don't know that I would be. I'm pretty sure I probably wouldn't be. And so I thank God for being born in the age I am where I don't gotta work for it. Think about all the stuff they had to do and all the stuff, you know, the sacrifices they had to do. I mean, read through Leviticus and it's like, goodness gracious, how do they even keep track of all that? But, you see, it's incredible to me what the Lord's done. It's incredible. It's incredible how the Holy Spirit can dwell in each and every one of us in the same place. All over the, we can be all over the world, but the Holy Spirit's in everyone. Jesus Christ is with us all. That's crazy. And it's, I think it's wonderful. Um, and people cut themselves short all the time, right? So they're sitting there thinking, well, if only I'd have seen this or lived back then, you know, I could have been like David. I could have done that. I could have done this, but what people aren't realizing, and this is kind of the point I'm trying to make here is that what people don't realize is that you have the same tools that they have. God has given you the exact same thing that he gave David or that he gave Paul. Or that he gave Stephen. He's given you the same thing. And that's what people forget to realize. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Lord. You have his words. You have everything that you need in order to live a successful Christian life and do something for the Lord. You 100% have everything that you need. Uh, Micah chapter 3 verse 8 talks about how he's full of power by the Spirit. He's full of power by the Spirit. Um, There's so many examples. I mean, the Holy Spirit empowers us. And you say, you're repeating yourself a lot. I know I'm doing that on purpose because I want everybody to think about that. The Holy Spirit gives you power. You know, Christians are weak on their own, right? Paul, I don't think Paul was a strong man physically. I mean, Paul had been stoned. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been beaten. I'm sure Paul was probably crippled up and hunched over, right? He talked about having a thorn in the flesh, right? He asked the Lord to remove from him thrice. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. The Lord didn't do it. Why? Because he didn't want him to be exalted above measure. That's what the Lord said. I want you to stay humble and I want you to do what I want you to do. You're going to have a new body someday. Don't worry about it, Paul. My grace is sufficient for thee. I can take care of you. But what was that? Paul got his power through the Holy spirit. He's leaning on the Lord, right? We've got to have the Lord to lean on. The Lord is our foundation, right? He's an absolute foundation for us. And There's no other foundation I'd rather have, you know, it amazes me sometimes when I read through the old Testament and I see, you know, you see different Kings, you know, you have King Asa. It is, it is amazes me, you know, that starts out there in the chapter with King Asa. And it's talking about how his heart was toward the Lord, right? All his days. And he loved the Lord and all that different stuff. And he cut down the groves and he took down their high places and he did all the right things. And then towards the end of the book there, what does he do? He doubts the Lord. To me, that's 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 a crazy thing. But you know what? We all do that too. You know, the Lord's done some amazing things for me in my lifetime. Things that I think about. But you know, sometimes when you're in a time of trouble, you don't think back on those things. You just get flustered and you get upset and you, I don't know, and you get all worried and anxious about something and you'd go the wrong way. You go a different path. You know, the Lord knows that we're all just flesh. He knows that. Oh, if you guys turn to Acts chapter 6. Verse five. <clears throat> Acts chapter six, verse five, and then we'll move on. <clears throat> Acts chapter six, verse five says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Proterus, and Nicanor, and Timon and Paraminus and Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch. So you notice it says there, he's full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. Look down at verse eight. Verse eight says, and Stephen, full of faith and what? Power. It replaces the word Holy Ghost right there for power. The Holy Ghost is what gives us power, Right? through the Holy spirit. When you're witnessing to somebody, it's not be- and they get saved. It's not because you're a good talker. It's not because you're special. It's not because you're all that. Why is that? It's because the Holy spirit got involved and did something yeah. right. And that person ended up accepting Lord Jesus Christ. And thank God for that. Um, oftentimes we get to thinking that we're, we're more than we are, you know, and we don't think enough of that, but you know, Stephen had some serious boldness, you know, on the next, <clears throat> he had some real boldness there. I mean, you think about it when he starts preaching to Israel and he starts with Abraham and he starts telling them everything, their whole history, all the way up to Jesus Christ. And then you killed him, your Messiah. You killed him. And what do they do? They stone him to death. That took some real boldness from Stephen. Where'd that boldness come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. You know, some people, I've heard people teach before that, you know, it's when you get saved, you get all this boldness. I don't, I don't believe that that's true. I think that boldness is something that you have to work on and work for. Um, You know, when I first got saved, the first time I got up in the pulpit to preach, I literally thought I was going to pass out. The guy in the front row, one of my friends, I was so green, he was like, looking at me like, oh, he's going to go down. I'm going to have to help him. And what was that? That was me being afraid. I was nervous. I was scared. What am I going to do? This is serious. These are God's words. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I teach something that isn't right and I don't know any better? What happens? I was worried about it. I still worry about it. Not to that, I mean, not to the point that I get super sick anymore, but it was like that for a while. I've heard, you know, I've heard preachers say before, you know, that they've had like a trash can behind the pulpit just in case they had to puke. Because they were so nervous. Public speaking's not easy. It's a hard thing to do to get up in front of people and talk. It really is. And a lot of people don't realize that, but you know what? With the Holy Spirit inside of you, if you work on something, the Lord will give you some boldness. Amen. Right? You know, it talks about there in Acts that those, that the men that were with Jesus, that they had boldness. But what was it? Why did they have boldness? Because it says that they were with Jesus. They could tell he'd been with Jesus because their boldness. Right? Spending time with the Lord is what gives you your boldness. Right? It's not an instant thing. It's spending time in His Word. It's spending time in prayer. It's spending time doing something for Him. That's what gives you boldness. And that's a blessing. You see, the Lord's done Everything that he can do for us. The Lord's been for us since the very beginning, right? In the garden of Eden, the Lord's back there with Adam and Eve and he makes him a perfect environment, right? And he's, you know, all you got to do is not eat of the fruit of this tree. That's all you got to do. And some people ask, well, why? Why did he, why did they have that tree have to be there? Because you can't, if you don't have something that you could do that's wrong, there can't be love, right? They can't love the Lord and the Lord can't have a true friendship if they can't obey, if they can't listen, Right. It's, you know, it's, there had to be some loyalty. It's like that in a marriage, right? There has to be loyalty. And so you have them there in the garden and, you know, Eve takes that fruit and Adam does so as well. And what does the Lord do? The Lord sheds the first blood there. And he says that he covered them with some skins and clothed them. And he sent them out of the garden and said, you know what, Eve, you're going to have to bear children. Adam, you're going to have to sweat now. You're going to have to work for your mistakes, you know, but. That's what I'm going to do for you. And if you look constantly throughout time, right, you skip forward to Noah, right? You have Noah and God tells him to build an ark and everybody thinks he's insane. What do you mean rain? Right? Dew comes up from the ground. I mean, rain coming out of the sky, you've lost your mind. What do you mean rain? He says, I'm telling you, it's going to rain and we're going to need this. We're going to need this ark right here. And what did the Lord do? The Lord didn't destroy everybody. He didn't destroy mankind. What did he do? He made an ark and he gave people a chance. And Noah got on the ark and Noah did what the Lord told him. And the Lord took care of him. And you can go all the way through the Old Testament like that. You can see where man messes up and the Lord takes care of it. Man messes up. The Lord takes care of it. Right. Men can't keep the law. The Lord's saying, all right, this ain't working out. You know, you guys aren't keeping the law. And he says, I'm going to send my only begotten son to die on a cross for him. It's a pretty incredible thing, right? And they're going to be saved by grace through faith without works. All they got to do is believe on him. That's it. I'm going to take care of them. The Lord's always been for us. He's for us now. And I think people forget about that. You know, some people say, well, I don't know if I should do that because the Lord might get it. Listen, if you're trying to do something for the Lord, he's not going to beat the tar out of you for it. Right? The Lord wants us to do something and you're going to make mistakes doing something for the Lord. We all will. But the Lord gets a blessing out of us doing something. That's what he wants us to do, right? He calls us ambassadors in the Bible. Ambassadors for Christ, right? When you think about that, what is that? We're here, he wants us to be here in Christ's stead telling people. Telling people the gospel, right? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. It's it's incredible to me. And what it comes down to is it comes down to love. Do you love the Lord enough to serve him? Right? And people say, what do you mean? And I say, well, service is connected to love. There's no doubt about that, right? When Peter messes up there and all that happens and they get to the end of the thing and Christ shows back up, what does he say to him? He says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you, Lord. Will feed my sheep. And he asks him three times. And what does he tell him every time? He tells him to do a service, to feed his sheep. That's what he wants him to do. He wants him to take care of his people. You see, True love is service. Jesus Christ was a servant. Jesus Christ came down here and he lived a life of a servant, right. right? Is he a king? Absolutely. Is he a priest? Absolutely. Is he the son of God? Absolutely. But he lived a life as a servant. He humbled himself, right? And he even at the supper washes the disciples feet. And I thought, you know, that's an incredible thing that he washed the disciples feet. But what got me the most is that he washed Judas's feet. And the Bible says that Judas is a devil. And I thought to myself, so Christ knew exactly what he was, right? At the end of the supper there, he makes that clear. He knew exactly what he was and he still knelt down and he still washed his feet as a servant. You know, it's a shame that in the Christian life we can't love one another, right? Christ can do that. He can wash Judas' feet and we can't love each other, right? We can't help each other. We can't be there for each other. That's a hard thing for me to, for me to swallow. Um, You know, I think it's wonderful when I show up to a church like this and everybody's friendly and everybody comes up and introduces themselves and y'all are praying for your pastor and concerned about him. That's a good thing. That shows that you guys love each other and you care about your pastor. That's how it should be. That also shows that your pastor is doing a great job, right? He's doing a great job. And that's a blessing to me to see that. And, you know, one of the things that amazes me about the Lord is that the Lord gives us Our talents that we have, right? Some people have a talent to sing. Some people have a talent to witness. Some people are good at witnessing, for sure. I know a lady, Miss Gina Stoven, in our church. She is an incredible witness. You go to the nursing home, and she just leads people to the Lord like crazy. And what is that? The Holy Spirit's using her for that. That's what it is. And she's very friendly, and she's very nice, and she's approachable, and she just, the Lord uses it. And praise God for that. She's been given a talent. Some people are given a talent to play the piano. Thank God for that, that we have piano players when we sing our hymns. That's a blessing. It's hard to sing without a piano. I've had to do that multiple times. And uh, it's tough. You know, <clears throat> not only does the Lord give us our talents, he gives us all the tools that we need to serve him. And to me, it's incredible. He gives us all the tools that we need. He gives us the Lord himself, the Holy Spirit, and his words, right? God's mind written down in a book. It's amazing. The Lord gives us all of these tools to serve him. And if we'll just serve him, right? You just trust me and you serve me. I'm going to reward you for it. That's amazing, right? He says, you know what? The judgment seat of Christ is coming. And if you serve me and if you do right, I'm going to reward you. Well, you think about what did you do for any of that? Everything I just explained, you didn't do anything. The Lord supplied it all. He's supplied everything and all he's asking us to do is serve him. That's all he's asking us to do. You see, Christ has a reward for us and it's coming soon. You know, I think the Lord's coming back real soon. And you know, you hear people say that a lot, but I really believe that. You know what I mean? Real soon could be in 10 years. Real soon could be in 10 minutes. But I really, I believe the Lord's coming back soon. I believe we're at the tail end of this thing. And I'm looking forward to it. If you turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Um, let's look at uh, verse 21. The Bible says, His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. You know, that's what I want to hear. When I get up in the judgment seat of Christ, that's what I want to hear. I, don't want to, I want to hear the Lord say, you know what? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear him call me a wicked servant and say, you know what? Just like that parable back there, I gave you a talent and you buried it in the sand. I want him to say, you know what? I gave you a talent and you trusted me with it and you multiplied it. And look at look at what's happened since then. Look at the souls that were saved. Look at the people that were encouraged. That's the kind of testimony that I would like to have at the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking real forward to it. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to read verse 9 here. First Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 9. It says, For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that that is laid, which is Jesus Christ." so, as by fire, you see, we need to be putting up some gold, some silver, and some precious stones and what i 'm trying to point out to you is that when we get there we 're not going to have any excuses. the lord's given us everything we need a hundred percent you know people always want to pay attention to the you know paul's you know Paul in the old days there, and all that stuff, but people don 't think about the men that's god that God uses now god 's used some men. Recently, in a great way. Absolutely. 100%. um And that's a blessing. Look at all the missionaries, right? Some missionaries go to a country and thousands of souls get saved. That's a great thing. That's a great work that the Lord's doing there. That's a blessing. And so the Lord's going to reward us for our work, whether it's good or bad, right? You're going to reap what you sow, is what the Bible says, right? Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so what I'm trying to tell you today is try to live every day like the Lord's coming back today. Spend every day thinking about that, right? The Lord tells us at the end of Philippians chapter 4 there, think on things that are good, things that are lovely, things that are just, things that are honest, things that are of good report, right? If there be any, right, any virtue, Think on these things. You see, the Lord wants us to think about him. David said that, right, he meditated on the Lord's law, on his words. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. The Lord wants to give us a reward. And I think about that often. You know, one day I'm going to meet the Savior that died for me. And I'm going to look in those pure eyes, right, sinless, sinless eyes, selfless, Right? Loving, compassionate, honest, pure. And I'm going to give an account. You know what I mean? I'm going to give an account. And time and time again, the Lord's asking us to do something for him. Revelation chapter 3, verse 18. What does he say there? He says he, he counsels us to buy gold. Buy gold of him that's tried in the fire. He's saying, just do something for me. And that's what he wants us to do. And you're going to be looking at that Savior's face. And you're not going to be able to lie in that day. We're not going to be able to do anything but tell him the truth, right? We're going to be in a new body, right? Sinless body. We're going to have the mind of Christ, the Bible says. And we're going to be out there before him. And the Lord's going to have a fire going. And he's going to put our works through it. And you're going to see what you have. And I don't want to come up with just a pile of ashes. I don't. You know, and it's something that should get you stirred up. It's something that you should think about. The Lord, you know, He says that He has crowns for those that serve Him. He's going to give us crowns. And I don't have time to go into all of them. But, you know, for those that endure temptations, in James chapter 1, verse 2, He said He's going to give them the crown of life. What is that? I'm not entirely sure, right? He's going to give us a crown, and I want one, right? Is it going to be a crown that goes upon my head? It could be. It doesn't really say. But you know what? I'm looking forward to that. Whatever the Lord wants to give us has to be an amazing thing. And I want it. And, you know, people constantly think, you know, well, you know, I'm going to heaven no matter what. My sister's like that. My sister said, she literally said that. We all got saved and she said, what do you mean? I can't go to hell? Yeah, she left her husband and she went off and just do whatever she wants to do. Still doing it to this very day. Why is that? Because she doesn't love the Lord. She's saved. I believe that. But she doesn't love him. She doesn't want to serve him, right? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And you think about it, Jesus Christ is asking us to do something for him. The God that created the heaven and the earth wants us to do something for him. We don't deserve that. I don't deserve the opportunity that I have. You know how many people in this world never accept Jesus Christ? And die to go to God, die and go to hell. I was raised in a cold. I said that earlier. And my grandpa was a good man. He read his Bible. He did right things. He was honest. He worked hard his entire life. He was a huge example in my life to make me the man that I am today. And you know what? He never got saved. He believed he had to work his way there. And it breaks my heart when I think about it. But you know what? I think of it just like the story of Lazarus and the rich man. If he could tell me, he'd say, get busy doing something, son. Get busy working. And you know, the Lord is asking us to do something for him, right? Why wouldn't we do it, right? What is more important? What is more important in life than that, right? What's more important? I mean... People in this day and age are so consumed with themselves, so consumed with things like their cell phone, right? So consumed with video games, things like that, that they just don't have time to do anything for God. Well, it's not an excuse. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is just <clears throat> think about those things. Think about what the Lord's doing. The Lord loved us enough to die for us, right? Right? We ought to love him enough to serve him. And we ought to serve him because we love him. You know what I mean? I'm excited that we're going to get rewards, but you know why I want to serve him the most? It's because I love him. Because he did a lot for me. I honestly don't think that if it wouldn't have been for the Lord that I'd be standing here today. I think think that I would have eventually did something terrible to myself. And I hate to think that, right? Now I look at everything he's given me, right? Look at my wife, my beautiful children. And I think to myself, well, praise the Lord. Thank God I didn't, that, that didn't happen, right? Thank God. And just think about Jesus Christ, right? Think about that. I mean, it's an incredible thing to think about. And the Lord is sitting up on the right hand of the Father, just sitting there, waiting to come back, right? He wants to come back and get us. And he's going to in due time. He's going to come back and get us. And I'm looking forward to that day, right? It says that we should be looking forward to his appearing. We should be encouraging each other in that. And one day we're going to, it's going to happen. That trumpet's going to blow and your name's going to be called. And he's going to come down in those clouds and we're going to forever be with the Lord. And we're going to go with him. And that's an exciting thing, but your time to do something for him will be over. Yeah, you'll be saved. You'll be in heaven, right? But what are you going to have during the millennial reign? All of that stuff. you got to be thinking about that stuff. There's a lot more to it, right? Right? So he says, you know, that if you serve him, if you suffer with him, right, then maybe he'll let you rule over a city. That'd be pretty cool, Get to rule over a city. I mean, it's just the Lord, it's enough to be with the Lord for eternity. That's enough. But the fact that he wants to continue to give us more just shows how good he is. It shows how holy he is. And think about it. The Lord Himself, you know, is down on His knees like this, washing the disciples' feet. And He's washing them, and He's telling them to do something for him, to go out and do something for him. What has He got to do for us to get us to move? Right? He's sitting there like this with His arms wide open for anybody that will accept Him. He's got His arms open, and He says that, he won't turn anybody away and yet men still reject him it's sad it's sad and the Lord's begging them the Lord's saying you know I will in no wise cast you out and so I don't know if anybody here is lost or not but if there is anybody here that's lost living a life for the Lord is a life worth living. There's no better life to live than one serving him. There isn't. There's no better life. Um, and so many people will give you that same testimony. You know, I used to hear testimonies like that, and I used to be like, think like, oh man, I don't know if I could ever do that. Or I don't know. It doesn't matter what you can do or what you can't do. Recapping on what we said before what I said before, it doesn't matter. Right? The Lord asks that we have a willing mind. That's all he asks. He doesn't ask you to, he doesn't ask for you to be smart. He doesn't ask for you to be strong. He doesn't ask what he asks for you to be is faithful and willing. That's it. And if you're faithful and willing, the Lord's going to use you. He he will, he will use you. So that's what I have for you tonight. Um, I hope it's a help to you. I hope it gives you something to think about and uh, something to spend your time, you know, dwelling on. And I hope that, you know, I hope the whole body of Christ, you know, in general, just gets together and moves. Starts doing something, you know. Starts going down to the nursing home, preaching to the the folks there. That's a blessing. That's a blessing to get to do that. It's a blessing to get to come up here and preach to y'all. Right? We don't deserve that. But the Lord's given all of us an opportunity, right? An opportunity that not everybody... Is going to take, right? They all have the opportunity, right? Anybody could accept Jesus Christ. They choose not to. So <clears throat> if you would be thinking on those things, I'll uh close with some prayer here. All right. <clears throat> Father, we come before you, Lord, just thankful, Lord, once again, to be able to open your book. And Lord, I thank you for... Uh, all the things that you've done for us, Lord, since, since Adam, Lord, how you've taken care of us, Lord, and always been for us, and always been toward us. And Lord, I thank you for allowing us, Lord, to accept you, Lord, by grace through faith. And I thank you for the men that you've used, Lord, to get us this book in our laps tonight, Father. I pray we'd take heed to it, Lord. I pray we'd read it. I pray we'd spend time in it, Father. and Lord, I do thank you for it. Father, I do love you. I pray that you'd help everybody here tonight, Lord, and be with them. I pray you'd bless them, Lord. I pray you'd help them, Lord, to uh, have a safe drive home, Lord. I pray you'd be with them in there. I pray you'd be with them the rest of this week, Father, that you'd help them, Lord. Give them opportunities, Father. And Lord, we do love you. We do thank you for it. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.